Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. Today we are continuing on with our series from Matthew on miracles in Matthew. And today we're going to talk about a man that couldn't get healed because he couldn't forgive himself. God forgave him, Jesus forgave him, but he couldn't forgive himself. And once the revelation hit him, Jesus said, get up off your cot, begin to walk, and that man was healed. We're going to talk about that today because that may be you. And today you're going to receive your healing. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It is great to have you here today. Looking forward to what I'm teaching today. I'm looking forward to it too. I get things out of the things I teach. Say, so how can that be? You know, it's your own notes and stuff because things come to me even while I'm teaching it that aren't on my notes or not on anything like that. Same thing happens when I'm in the pulpit is the Holy Spirit gives me revelation. So I'm excited to hear the word of God today because not only have I heard it before, I'm about to hear things in it that I've never heard or see things I have never seen. And I trust the same will be for you. And so today as we get in the word of God, start turning there with me now. Matthew chapter nine, we're gonna take a look. This is the transition verse because we've been in chapter eight now for seven lessons. And this one, we now switch to chapter nine. And chapter eight and chapter nine are literally found within a section from Matthew chapter four, all down to the end of chapter nine, where Jesus in chapters four, five, and six, and seven has been healing the multitudes and ministering to multitudes. And the way that healing took place was is that Jesus healed the masses all at one time, everybody that came. And Jesus healed everybody of everything. And not one case has told us that he stopped and ministered to one person at a time and even communicated with them. But that started in chapter eight. And at the beginning of chapter eight, Jesus starts off healing a man that had leprosy, incurable. And of course, when he healed that leprosy, then he had the, this man had to fulfill what the law was. But again, Jesus started that individual healing with an incurable disease. From that time on, we have a story after story telling about different things that happened while Jesus was ministering to those individual cases. So that happened all the way through chapter eight. And then we found out last time at the end of chapter eight, Jesus gave a challenge to those who had been healed and now we're, now we're dispersing, going their way, heading back. He gave them a challenge to become disciples. The goal of the Christian life is not to get healed. The goal of the Christian life is not to get a miracle in your life. Bring your family back, bring your wife back, bring back the happiness you used to have. All that can happen. But the goal of the Christian life is for Jesus Christ to become everything. And this is a description of a disciple. When you accepted Jesus, you accepted him as your savior, but you also accepted him as your Lord. That's where we ended up last time. And so now we come to Matthew chapter nine and the first one he's gonna meet is a man who was already saved. Much like in the previous chapter when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she was a believer. Now, in this case, we're going to have the fact that Jesus is going to heal a man who is a believer already. And we come to that in Matthew chapter nine, verses one through eight. So find that passage. In the meantime, all this is brought out in my CD series called Miracles in Matthew. That's what I'm teaching now. This is a series called Miracles in Matthew. And what I highly recommend, more is actually on my CDs than what I'm teaching here on this broadcast. I condense it down is that this is a great thing, especially to listen to in your car. Just fill yourself 
up with the word of God. And you know, you turn off the key, turn it back on later, you pick up right where you left off. This is a wonderful set of CDs. And by the time you get through this, you'll be so much more filled with the healing revelation of Jesus Christ himself. And so I recommend that when they come on at halftime, my announcer, you can get a copy of that for yourself. And I have a book called The Grace of Healing, which brings out all the things I'm teaching right here under the light of that it comes from the grace of God before your faith is required. Your faith comes second, God's grace came first. And God's grace offered you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. And all you have to do is reach out with simple faith and receive it. So it all starts with the grace of God. And that's what this book is about, healing grace. That grace is the one that initiated God's healing power with Jesus on the cross. And then when Jesus Christ arose from the dead, healing is now as much a free gift as salvation is. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter nine, verses one through eight. Now it says, so he, that is Jesus, got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven you. I want you to see something interesting here. I want to go back to that verse of scripture. Behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the man, he saw the faith of those that brought him there. He saw their faith. And this man is going to be healed on the faith of the men that came to him. This is a very parallel verse of scripture to the passage in the book of James where it says, is there any sick among you? He's speaking to a congregation of those who are believers. He says, is there any sick among you? And he simply says, I want you to notice the word any because he didn't say, is there some sick that it's God's will to heal? No, he says, is there any sick among you? He says, call for the elders of the church, let them lay hands on them, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. It's the same thing brought out in this verse of scripture when Jesus saw their faith. This man is gonna be healed on the fact that these faith-filled people brought him, and this man has simply resigned himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go there for healing, but guys, you're the ones gonna have to take me because I've got a lot of problems in my life. And he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer, be encouraged, your sins are forgiven you. We're gonna take up that phrase in just a moment. It says in the book of James that, uh, that the prayer of faith will save the sick. The faith there is of those that are praying for him. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. And that's what that verse is saying is that they are going to be healed on the prayer of faith that these men in the congregation laying hands on him or her is going to be healed. This verse says again, the paralytic was brought to him and he said to him, son, be encouraged, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus knowing their thoughts said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are be forgiven or say arise and walk for that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose, departed to his house. And when the multitude sought, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. I like how Jesus handled these men. They said, oh, you know, here you are about to heal this man and you're blaspheming. You're saying that you can forgive sins. They completely missed the fact that Jesus was gonna heal this guy 
or even wait till he was healed. They started immediately blaming him for something he said, and they're saying he blasphemed. And Jesus said, well, wait a minute. I just said this man can be healed. Let me ask you a question. Those of you who think evil in your hearts, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? He said, I said one because I can do the other. He said, you can't do either one of them. Your sins are forgiven or arise and walk. What they would say is your sins are forgiven. Why? Because you can't see whether the sins are forgiven. And they probably say this to many of the multitudes that come to him. Someone comes and gives money in the offering. They'll say, thank you, son. Uh, thank you, daughter. Your sins are forgiven you. You cannot buy forgiveness of sins. But yet they say that all the time. And throughout the, the time here that we're talking about, the Pharisees, Sadducees, those within the within the synagogue, they would say this quite often and they would look to money coming in and then basically say that you've been forgiven of your sins. We have this today in many denominations where you can actually, what they say is, is you can get forgiveness of sins by paying your way out. If you can pay your way out, then throw away the blood of Jesus because it doesn't count for anything. There is no other way to get saved than through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you and faith in him only is what will save you, whether you you have any money or not. He that is without money, we're told in Isaiah, come and buy and eat. He's referring to salvation, Isaiah is, and simply says, all you have to do is that. And Jesus said, I said to him that your sins are forgiven, but now I'm going to tell him to arise and walk. Which one is easier for you to say? And they probably had to stop and think, well, honestly, I can't really say either one of them. Even though I say your sins are forgiven, I know it really doesn't matter because their sins aren't forgiven. And Jesus just basically shut them up. And so he said, you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He healed this man to show he could forgive sins. Whoa, what a tremendous thought that when healing occurs in a service, even though that's God healing, he's simply saying, listen, this is not on the same level as forgiveness of sins, but if man can't heal what you've got, you can't heal what you've got, only I can, then I can even take a step up, I can forgive your sins. What makes you think you can heal yourself? You know you can't, but sometimes you think you can save yourself because you look back on your own works and this is what the world does. But Jesus is pointing out again here, only I, can really forgive sins and only I can really heal a person from sickness and disease. He said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such gifts to men and such power to men, where the disciples and the congregation that was there, the people that were there rejoiced. We have on the other hand that the Pharisees were upset with him. The scribes, they got mad at him and they went off to plot later on on how they could kill him. So by this time, again, we find Jesus here doing signs and wonders and miracles. What I wanna point out to you is that, that phrase he said, where he, Jesus told him, he said, uh, you know, your sins are forgiven you. Son, be of good cheer, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven you. And I taught that one time and I said, we don't know what these sins were and we don't know, you know, but what apparently, you know, this man uh, had, uh, didn't know he had been forgiven of his sins and probably didn't know that when he got saved, he was forgiven of his sins. And a man came to me after church and said, pastor, do you think it's possible that this man, it wasn't saying here he didn't know God had forgiven him, 
What he didn't know was the fact that his sins had been forgiven. This man couldn't forgive himself. And what was keeping him sick was the fact he couldn't forgive himself. And I said, wow, that's a good thought. I never thought about that. But you know what? The word forgiven, your sins are forgiven, you would have to be in the perfect tense. Meaning that from the time that you ask, it's been forgiven all this time, you just can't forgive yourself. And so I went and looked it up and you know what? Sure enough, your sins are forgiven you is in the perfect tense. Jesus was telling this man, he said, son, be encouraged. Your sins were forgiven you the moment you ask and have been forgiven ever since. And suddenly, it's probably like this man just went, and suddenly just went right through his brain, just all of a sudden he went, I've been forgiven all this time. I didn't even think about that. Jesus forgave me and I should have forgiven myself. It came back to this, Jesus can forgive your sins, but if you can't forgive yourself, you're holding yourself in a prison that the door is standing wide open. All you had to do was walk out of it and you could have walked out of it, but you didn't do it. And so this is often the case. I've had people in my church that couldn't be, for, uh, couldn't be healed and what they eventually said was, it's because I've never been able to forgive my wife for leaving me or my husband for what he did. I've never been able to forgive myself for how I handle a situation. I really messed up and I can't go back and undo it. No, you can't, but Jesus will forgive you of it. No matter if you did it purposely or you did it accidentally, he'll still forgive you of it. He will forgive you from all sins and all unrighteousness will be forgiven you if you'll just give it to him. And one of the most important things after Jesus has forgiven you is you forgive yourself. Then you won't have to be healed on other people's faith who bring you in. You can actually get healed yourself knowing that Jesus has forgiven you all your sins. In fact, the ones you know about, the ones you should have taken with 1 John 1, 9, you brought them but couldn't forgive yourself. Jesus still has thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness and he will never remember them anymore. I'll see you right after the break. Miracles in Matthew is a systematic studying of the healing miracles of Jesus, which are presented to us in the book of Matthew. This series emphasizes the fact that Jesus healed believer and unbeliever, Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, rich and poor. He made no distinctions. Healing was and is for all. The sermon titles in this 10 message set are Jesus Healing Ministry, Jesus First Healing, The God of the Impossible, Healing of the Centurion Servant, Peter's Mother-in-Law, Think on These Things, after the healing, you are forgiven. The healing of the two women and avoiding unbelief. To order Miracles in Matthew, visit our website at bobyendian.com. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach. With practical biblical teaching, that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, 
this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. The story we've been describing in Matthew chapter 9 is also told us in Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it's also told in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 2, it said the crowd was so large that they were standing on a porch outside the synagogue door. So when Jesus had healing meetings, man, the people packed the place. It was after the meetings were over, like Jesus in the previous chapter, where people started to fade and thin out and go their way and uh, didn't keep on following Jesus. Every time they broke off, there was a small group that kept staying. And this is good because I can tell you this, that really that, that salvations may be many and converts may be many, but really disciples are few in comparison to those who've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Will the convert go to heaven? Absolutely. The moment you receive Jesus as Savior, you are going to heaven. It is guaranteed you're going to go to heaven. But it goes on to say there too, that really what the crowds were that had departed were those who just came and basically got what they wanted. They really, their ultimate thing was, I just want to be healed. I just want to be healed. But there was a group that said within that, when I'm healed, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of him. That's the one that God is looking for. And again, converts are many, disciples are few in comparison. But I think it's interesting that when you accept Jesus as Lord, one of the things that you're to say to him in your salvation prayer or in your statement of faith is I not only accept you as my savior, I accept you as my Lord. And this is really a, a promise of the fact you're going to become a disciple. From the moment you're born again, you're going to go right, breeze right past the fact that he's now your savior and you're a child of God. You're going to keep right on to the fact, I want to grow in him. I'm a new convert now. I'm a baby in Christ and I want to grow with Jesus more and more in the days to come. So again, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 2, the crowd was so large People were standing on the porch outside the synagogue door. And in that same verse of scripture, Jesus preached the word to them. The power was present to heal. He also sent his word there. And so in Mark chapter two and verse two, we find out again, the power of God was present to heal. It says it right there. And because all these people came, the power was there. The power was there because Jesus was there. He was the power of God and the Holy Spirit was also present, which means there was a power present to heal. But isn't it interesting? Not everybody was healed because only one man that was let down through the roof by his friends, their faith is the one that caused this man to be healed. And it still comes back to this. If the presence of God is so strong, if the power of God is so strong, it doesn't guarantee you're going to be healed. You still have to use your faith. And all Jesus was looking for was just a portion of faith, a small amount of faith. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 24, we have this same story again. Jesus showed healing of sickness is the outward sign 
of his ability to forgive sin, that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I tell this man to be healed, and he told that man to be healed. He walked off healed, and Jesus showed them that he also had the power to bring about the new birth. He was the true Savior, and if he could heal them, he could save him and offer him eternal life and forgive a person's sin. This is where, again, the church leaders went nuts. They didn't see anything about the healing. They didn't even care about the miracle. And when it happened, it still didn't phase them. They were hanging on this one phrase. He said, your sins are forgiven you. And so again, we have it here in these verses of scripture, signs and wonders are the purpose of them is to point people to salvation, not just end our suffering. And this is why the great commission includes healing of the sick. Matthew chapter nine and verse two, he told the man to be of good cheer. The Greek actually says, be encouraged. What am I saying? Are you watching today and you need healing in your body? Then if you start meditating on the power of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for you here in just a moment to be healed. And I simply tell you right now, change your attitude of, of oh, I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I'm going to be healed. Oh, I've, I've committed sins. If you've asked him to forgive you, you have been forgiven ever since. Your sins are under the blood of Jesus now. And the ones that you confessed to him six months ago, four months ago have been forgiven. You just need to suddenly stop and grab yourself. And whatever your name is, Bill or Mary or Bob, just tell yourself, Mary, I am going to trust God. I am now going to switch over to faith. I am encouraged about what's about to happen. Get your anticipation up because you can be part of a great group where the power of God is present, yet nobody gets healed except for you. You can be the one that was let down through the roof. You can be the one that when Jesus said, son, your sins have been forgiven ever since you asked. Whoosh, it could go right through you and you go, oh my goodness, I've been forgiven all this time. I've been holding something against myself that God doesn't hold against me anymore. And suddenly you can be, as this man was told, be encouraged because this man was discouraged over his past sins. Again, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, this is brought out in three passages. Matthew chapter nine and verse two, Mark chapter two and verse five, Luke chapter five and verse 20, all give the same thing that your sins have been forgiven. Again, the perfect tense and so you've been saved, perfect tense. And the perfect tense in all cases means if you've received Jesus as Savior, you have been saved in the perfect tense and nothing can change that now. You've been forgiven and nothing can change it now. You just need to come around to the fact that I have forgiven you and you've been saved. I have then forgiven you of any sins since then. If you just ask me to, and you now stand in perfect in front of me, not only for salvation, but in your daily walk, your sins have been forgiven. You've been forgiven since the time you asked me to. All this comes back to again is your sins were removed when you asked for forgiveness in 1 John 1, 9, and then removed as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103 and verse 12. You know, I deal with so many Christians, and again, the same thing comes back to it. But you know, I did this, and I did this, and, and how long ago did you do that? Well, it was a number of years ago. Did you ask God to forgive you? Yes, I did. But you know what? I can't get rid of it. You're basically saying by that that you're bigger than God. God can forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. What you simply said is God forgives, I can't forgive myself. You're actually exalting yourself above God. I'm more powerful than God. God forgave me. 
but I can't forgive myself. I simply want you to know something. There is not a sin that you can confess to God that he will not forgive. I don't care how bad it is as a Christian. I mean, think about this. David was already saved and he committed adultery with Bathsheba, then murdered her husband, then moved her in with him and lied about it in front of the entire nation for over a year before finally Nathan the prophet came in and through the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the office of a prophet, he told David exactly what David had done. And David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, immediately told him his sins were forgiven. And that's a whole year's worth of sins forgiven with one simple phrase, I have sinned against the Lord. Think of the prodigal son how long he had been out there, how long he'd been away from his father, how long he'd been living in a realm of prostitutes and, and drinking and squandering all of his money. And then finally in the pig pen, it says he came to himself and said, I'll return to my father. And here's what I'll say. I have sinned against heaven and against you. He didn't have to name all of his sins. Jesus didn't ask this man to name all the sins he had already asked God to forgive. He simply says, sir, you've been forgiven since the time you asked. God doesn't tell us we need to broadcast to other people what our sins are. We simply tell the Lord, I have sinned against you and the Lord will forgive us. You don't have to tell even God your sins. You know why? He's smart enough to know. And you might forget one or two that's in that whole mix of things you've done, but God knows every one of them. The point of it is he doesn't say name all your sins. He'd be there for quite a while in some cases. All that David did was exactly what 1 John 1, 9 did. If you'll confess your sins, just simply confess the fact that you, that you sin and now you receive forgiveness of them. And the Bible says, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one tells us this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does to easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice this, what do we simply do? We're to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily Beset us. What God is looking for in this passage of scripture is what we found out in the last lesson, and that is the fact that God wants us to follow Him and continue to follow Him into discipleship. And what happens here is sins slow us down, weigh us down, and we end up out there on the track stopped. And the Lord says, Get rid of these weights, get rid of these sins which so easily ensnare you, and then start to run again the race with patience and endurance, the race that is set before you. Verse 12 goes on to say, therefore strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully, lest any man should fall short of the grace of God. There's been times in my life I have sinned. As a Christian, ask God to forgive me. But what I can't do is start going back and examining myself and say, Bob, how have you been so dumb? How have you been so stupid? And wallow around in something that God has already forgiven. Get up and do what Jesus said to that man, be encouraged. Bob, be encouraged. You need to do the same thing. I'm about to pray for you, those of you who are sick out there, or you want to stand in for someone else that's sick, like the men that brought in that man on the, on the stretcher and let him down. Or as you come to church and the elders come together and the prayer of faith that they give saves the sick person, I'm about to do that for you. But I simply tell you this, not only accept the fact that God has forgiven you, forgive yourself. 
you know what? You're human like a lot of people are, all people are. But the point of it is, is once you receive Jesus, you're still human, but you have someone to turn to. You have a power to turn to. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Father, for all the people watching this broadcast right now, those who are sick, and Father, they prayed and it seems like nothing happened. I ask right now for them to be encouraged and understand that God has forgiven them. They stand clean before him. And now in the name of Jesus, sickness, I command you to depart from them. Weakness, I command you to depart from him. Satanic oppression, I command you to turn loose of them. And Father, right now they are set free by the power of God in Jesus' name. In essence, what I'm telling you is get off that cot and start to walk. Get out of that situation, start to rejoice in Jesus and go on your way. In fact, if you wanna write me, tell me about it, bobyandian.com, give us your testimony and tell us what happened to you. I love to hear great testimonies of how the word of God changed people's lives. This verse goes on to tell you what else needs to be do. Pursue peace with everybody and walk in holiness without no man will see the Lord. This doesn't mean you'll see him in heaven. It means without holiness, you'll never perceive the Lord. Truly understand him, looking carefully, lest anybody would fall short of the grace of God. Do not fall short of the grace of God. God has forgiven you. God has cast those sins into his sea of forgetfulness. You need to forgive yourself and understand if God can't find those sins, neither can you. I'll see you next time as we continue on with miracles in Matthew. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.